Hello there fellow peregrinos, my name is Bradley Chermsad, I'm a two-time pilgrim. I have walked the Camino Portugues, I've walked the Camino Frances, and I'm also the author of the international best-selling Camino de Santiago memoir, The Only Way is West. I'm also the host of the Camino de Santiago Pilgrims podcast. So, if you're ready for this week's episode, go grab your boots and let's go Camino! Hello there, fellow peregrinos. Welcome to episode 66, series 2 of El Camino de Santiago, Pilgrim's podcast, where we talk about planning, preparation and packing for walking the road to Santiago, as well as tips, tricks and hacks and stories of people's experiences on the way to Santiago. This week we're talking to a British pilgrim, the first one we've had in a while. Um, Stu Hagen is from Manchester in the UK and Stu has walked the Camino Frances three times, 2016 from San jean pierre de port all the way to Santiago de Compostela in 2018 from Sarria to Santiago with his 11-year-old nephew. He walked it this year actually right before COVID kicked off in January as well. So we're going to talk a lot about that, a lot to get through. So we're going to get in with the first question of my new batch of questions. You're my guinea pig, Stu. So thanks for this. Um, if I stumble over my words, apologize. Like I said, there are new questions. So Stu, when you pick up your Compostela, which is your certificate of completion in Santiago, they always ask you the big question, what was your motive for walking the Camino? Was it religious, non-religious? others why did you walk 500 miles across spain what spurred you on evening bradley okay pal oh the better um, for hearing your mancunian accent <laughs> sorry if any of your listeners can't understand no i love it go ahead go ahead um well my reason i didn't really have a reason when i first started um i quit my job in 2016 the day before my 30th birthday and decided to decided to go traveling the world so I flipped a coin for the cheapest flight out of Manchester, and it was Spain to Alicante. Then once I decided that, I decided what I was going to do in Spain for a few months. And then just before I left, I saw, as cliche as it is, I saw the movie The Way, and uh, I thought, oh, that looks like a good idea. That's fireworks so, in the background, right? Yeah, okay. too many of them. Okay, just I was going to tell you to run because I heard something, but that's fireworks. <laughs> okay, sorry, mate, to drop no, in. Just carry on. Yeah, so I, I saw the movie The Way before I was leaving to start my travels. And thought, oh, that looks interesting. But yeah, I'd never heard of the Camino before that. Right. So literally a month before I was leaving, I thought, yeah, I'll do the Camino. Why not? This is January 2016, so middle of winter. What job were you so, doing, Stu? I worked for a recruitment agency. Right, so pretty long hours then and a lot of pressure. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a pressurised person. I used to be a chef. Right, okay, so, you, so you're used to working under pressure. Pressure is gone now. Right, okay. Um, so, yeah, landed in Spain, made my way through a few cities, ended up in Pamplona, went from Pamplona to St. Jean, and then started the way. Then when I finally got to Santiago, it was a mix of reasons. It was something to do. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I just did it because it was there. And then along the way, it was quite spiritual as well. I've never been a religious person. I I, I think I stepped foot in one church along the way. Right. I always joke saying if I go in church, I'm gonna spontaneously spontaneously combust. <laughs> so definitely spiritual at the end though. 
Okay, well, let's leave that spiritual element of it to it until the end. We'll come back to that. We'll circle back to that. Um, yeah. So you were a recruitment consultant. You, you... No, I, work, I wasn't a consultant. I worked for, I worked for an agency. But oh, I was sorry, just... an, an agency. Right, okay. So you worked in recruitment in, in some yeah. capacity. And you thought you needed a change. You ended up in Spain. You've watched the movie. Now, I'm curious for you, how does the movie match up with the reality of the Camino? Scarily quite well. Yeah. Some of the, the stories in, in the movie, they, got, they happen. I don't know about you when you watched it, but I ended up in a group of people. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought, oh, from the movie to the people I was walking with, you could kind of pick out things. So yeah. when I was walking, the family member died. Died, died in with the movie a little bit. Say that again, so sorry. When I was doing the Camino, mm. a family member back home passed away. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, mate. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> it's life. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, it's sad. But then when I was walking, then I was this. I kind of thought they would carry on, they would go home, mm. they would do this, they would do that, but. You just have to keep going. Stu, did do you think the Camino was a good place for you to to process it, understand it, grieve oh, in some ways? Brilliant. I don't yeah. think the, I don't think there's a better way to to get over anything. Yeah, yeah. Um so you you while you're walking you had a bit of time to I mean, how did you reflect on it? Were you able to kind of find some kind, some some kind of positive in it, or uh, yeah. I mean, it's tough to find a positive in such a negative situation. But I'm wondering if it gave you some kind of perspective that you otherwise might not have found. Um, I think so. Yeah, you walk in. You think I was in the middle of nowhere, literally in the middle of nowhere. Mm. When I found out, I got a I got a text message of my mum. Right. Um, there was nothing you could do. I couldn't go anywhere at that point in time apart from keep on walking. Yeah. So I, I thought, yeah, well, just keep walking. That's all you can do. You just got to keep on going, haven't you? And would would this um, person passing away would that tie in somewhat into your your spiritual revelation at the end, or your spiritual your your move towards some kind of spiritual mindset? Not really. No. Other factors that influence that. Okay, well, we'll ask that a bit later on then. We'll leave that yeah. one up in the air. Um, well, I'm sorry to hear you had to go through that on your Camino, Stu. Um, yeah. And yeah, like I you say, I think it's, there's no possibly better way to deal with something like that than than being on, you know, to, to get rid of those blues um, yeah. and, you know, those feelings of melancholy when, when you're walking. There's a good way to process it as well. So I'm... I'm, I'm at least happy that you were able to deal with it in that way. And I'm sure the the people you met, like you said, you met so your Camino. Um, we often say on this podcast, your Camino family, the people you met, you end up with a group and 100%. that's good. So it was a non-religious Camino for you at the start. It was more of an adventure. Uh-huh. Um, you hadn't heard of it, but you ended up going for a walk across Spain. And I'm curious, were you a walker before that or is it just the adventure that, that grabbed you? Um, I wouldn't say I was a walker. I went, I went up to Machu Picchu a couple of years before. Right. Which is, I think that's a day's worth of a Camino, like 25 kilometres or something. Yeah. And 
That was the longest I'd walked. I didn't do any training. I wasn't prepared for it. Right. Okay. So talking of training, preparing, I mean, if you're going to take three things with you um, that aren't your clothes, backpack, shoes, and or phone. So the three most important things. Imagine you could only take three more things with you as well as that. You can only take three more things as well as your clothes, backpack, shoes, and phone. What would they be? Uh, I regret not taking a diary. So a notepad and pen, the two things that I take. Mm-hmm. And um, not a third thing. What couldn't you have apart, lived without? Apart from what you've mentioned, mm. nothing. I was fine. Yeah, that was enough for you. Yep. Is that a big change for you in terms of your daily life? A massive change. Yeah. So what would you know what in what way? Uh, I, I started the Camino in St. John with a twenty-three kilo backpack. Wow. I was tra- I was I'd left my job and home, so I was travelling for a year. What with everything you owned, pretty everything much. Everything I owned I had in a backpack. Right, okay. So I had a I had my laptop in there, I had a tablet in there. Mm. Uh, I think I had three or four pairs of shoes, trainers. Right, so this yeah. is interesting because there'll be a lot. I was one of those people that did something like that. that my first Camino as well, um, my backpack. I don't. I didn't even weigh it because I wasn't even that <laughs> that careful. I just knew I wanted to take stuff. Um, how did you shed the things you didn't need along the way? What did you do? Um, when I got to Lagrano, just before Lagrano. I was searching like how can I how can I store things or ship things or and there's a I can't remember the name of it now but there's a there's a forum a, a um, Camino forum and I saw something on there about where you can ship you can ship things to Santiago so it's there waiting for you when you get there so yeah. I did that I did that in Lagrano I went to Decathlon in Lagrano and bought a smaller backpack good idea and then literally had the bare minimum. Right. Okay. So basically, I mean, you can get to a, like um, a post office anywhere, like anywhere the big cities. Sometimes the smaller towns or villages might have uh, a post office as well. So you can send it on to Santiago there. So if you do end up bringing too much, send it on. Yeah. And then I, I think after that, I was carrying nine or ten kilos. So right. More than half. Got and to. how did that feel? The difference. Amazing. It does, doesn't it? When you oh, shared amazing. that. And was did you have some was that some kind of moment of realization and a metaphor for life or no nah, not really I think it was a met maybe a metaphor for your own life because I mean you'd at that point well, shed so much of your your material possessions as well yeah. yeah yeah I suppose you could say it was a a metaphor but at the t- at that time. I was just thankful I didn't have to carry that. On my <laughs> yeah, <laughs> didn't have time to worry about metaphors. You're too busy dancing with the with the less weight on your back. No, there was no there was no poet in me at that time, so it was just a case of get rid of this. Good stuff, um, Stu. One of the hardest things about the Camino is adjusting to walking so far, so many days in a row, which is something hardly any of us ordinarily do. You know, in in our daily lives, um, yep. so. What would you say was your hardest, let's say even lowest moment on either any of your Caminos? Um, tell us the whole story and, and how you pulled through that, what the, what the lesson was. 
Well, that's it. I didn't do any preparation. I didn't look for anything about the Camino apart from where to start. Mm. I got the, I got the, what's he called, John Briley? Yeah. I had that, I had that, and an idea of what I was doing. So I got to St. John, no problem. Had a few drinks the night before I was starting. Um, a few ended up, a few more. Woke up the next day. All I had was one, a, a one litre bottle of water. Oh, there'll be there'll be towns and villages along the way. No, it turns out in the dead of winter there's not much open. So I set off from St. John to Roncesvalles. Got about halfway. It was freezing cold. I run out of water. I had no food. I had a bit of a hangover. And I thought, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna be <laughs> that idiot on the Camino that's got a laptop, a tablet, four pairs of shoes, eight pairs of this, that and the other. They're going to find me and my family are going to think, what an idiot. <laughs> so that was a serious low point. I said to myself, if I make it to the end, and it, it sounds very dramatic, but I was dying of thirst. And uh, I thought, thought to myself then, if I make it here, I can do, I can do the whole thing. And when I got to Rance's bias and got the stamp in the, in the passport, oh, I like that. So now I've got, this, I've got that stamp tattooed on my arm now so oh, i think yeah. if it can if it, it just in life if, if anything gets a bit tough have a look at that and think you know what i made it over the pyrenees with no training and 23 kilos on my back i can do this so that's oh. a that's a uh, something you can always look at and say if you can do that you can do anything exactly and i thought that was a low point when i thought I'm going to die and my family are going to think, what an idiot. <laughs> Stu, um, imagine I am just about to set off over the Pyrenees. What are you going to say to me? Uh, pack as light as possible. Mm-hmm. Make sure you've got enough water and definitely some snacks. That's it. That's all uh, you need. There's not, there's not much up, you know, any time of year up in the Pyrenees, actually, where it's winter, summer, spring or autumn, and you've got the stop off in Orison, which is eight kilometres up or so. Um, but apart from that, there's not much. So no, um, really not. Not, not unless you're going to be doing a Bear grills and uh, trying to like, hunch sheep or something like that. So, <laughs> uh, um, all right, so that's a nice story. So that was your lowest moment on the Camino. And... I'd say the lowest and one of the highest moments at once when I... When I got to in in sight of Roncesvalles, when you can see the monastery, hmm. I'm not ashamed to say I started crying a little bit. Right. Okay. So that, that, that's quite a release for a for a tough Manchester man. <laughs> oh no, you you got to admit when you cry, don't you? Everybody cries, and when I saw that, I thought, brilliant, I've done it. Yeah, so that so, was so. It was a low point and a high point all at the same time. So it was. Um... It was a bittersweet moment for you. Yeah. And um, I just, like, thinking, like, there was a, uh, uh, what was it? A, a, a line from a Paul Weller song. And he says, it's better to, better to cry than never to smile. So yeah. um, there you go. She had a little little cry. And that yeah. was your, your, your relief, cry of relief and joy. Um, and I'm just curious. I know that you didn't walk from Saint-Jean again in your other... Caminos after that, but yeah. how did your preparation differ from that first Camino to the Caminos afterwards? Um, well, the one I did with my nephew, 
Hmm. I probably packed a little bit too much, thing, too many things then as well, but that was so, uh, I wanted to take care of my nephew, so I made sure I had things that I probably that I knew I wouldn't need, but maybe to help him along, you know. How did you? Was it? I mean, obviously your your brother or sister's kid. Um, mm-hmm. How did you persuade them to let them let you take him? Uh, yeah, it didn't take much persuasion. Like, I mean, how, did, how did you? How did you? What did you say to your nephew to make it? Because I mean, make it, make him want to go. Uh, I, I told him about my previous Camino, and I said, I "said Do you want to do it in half term?" It was his first year in high school, first school holiday. I said, "Let's go there." You're becoming a bit more, bit more of an adult. Not an adult at eleven, are you? But you know <laughs> what I mean. He's, he's growing up a bit more. He's not in primary school. Get a bit more freedom, and he loved it. It was. Considering it was only what is it four days from Saria, five days from Saria, I can't remember. But he loved it. It was brilliant. What's and his it was name? nice to see the the uh, the other pilgrims. Yeah. How they interacted with him as well. And, yeah. And how he interacted with them as well. Yeah. It was really nice to see. Um, for anyone, I mean, I've seen some some questions. I've I've been contacted by some people that listen to the podcast. Said, could you speak to someone that's potentially that's taken their children? So. Um, what would you say to them to make them make sure that their kids enjoy it? I don't know. Every kid's different, aren't they? So, um, just tell your kids a bit. Don't be shy. I'm, I'm curious because I'm curious because like there's a lot of downtime when you get back from an out from a walk during the day. So, how did the, your nephew stay entertained? Did you have an iPad with you or something or? Was it just like he was just totally lost in the trip? Was it books? And what did you do when you got back to the Albergs? He took he took his iPhone with him. Right. But but we were starting early. We were taking it easy. There was no rush. When when it was October time, so yeah, there's not so many pilgrims. It's not like August when it's crazy busy. So it was October time, so it was quite quiet. We were taking it easy. You know, going through Galicia, it's quite nice. Um. We were stopping off for coffee and not chocolates and orange juices and it was quite a leisurely, leisurely walk. So by the time we got to an alberghi, we had our dinners and then it was time for bed. Right. Okay. So you, t- so you basically what you did was you spaced time. it out throughout the day. Yeah. Right. Well, um, and what was um, was there one like for example one complaint that he might have had. That were you to take him again, you'd say oh, you'd do something differently to make sure that isn't a sit, that isn't another pain point for him. You know what? I don't. I don't think there was. There was one day when it was it was roasting. Hmm. You know, uh, you can imagine the colour of me from Manchester. I'm I'm white. I burn as soon as the sun comes out. So, being the responsible adult I am, I didn't take any sun cream. Right. And um. I think that was the only thing I'd change because he was what I made him walk in my shadow so he didn't get burnt. And um, what was that? I think that was the second to last day. That uh, is very that's that is heroic of you, Stu. I love that walk in my shadow so you don't get burnt. That's the, it's, the, it's the most responsible thing I've ever done. 
I said to him that'll be the last time you walk in anyone's shadow, pal. Because he's yeah, just done a, he's yeah. done a great job there. He was knackered. What was he? Bless him. So tired, but he just. I said, if you want me to, if you want me to get a taxi, I'll sort you a taxi. But and he went, no, no, I want to walk. I want to walk. So, All right, Good lad. Do it. Good lad. And I was really proud of him that day. He, what he what did he say day. about it when he came home to his mum and dad? Yeah, just I think he I think that he. He said he loved it. He really enjoyed it. I think yeah. he, uh, he surprised me the amount of times he was just walking with other pilgrims, not obviously not too far away, but I remember one couple from America. Like they loved to see a kid on the Camino. It's not, it's not a, it's not a sight you see every day, is it? No, I'm, I'm curious as well how the locals, how the Spaniards took to him, because from my time living in Spain, I know how. It's a really child-friendly culture, um, yeah. child-centered culture as well. So, the, were the locals? Did the locals have any interactions with him? Oh yeah, when we were going in bars, I was I was saying, "Go on, go to the bar, order it." He's learning Spanish in school, so right. So, go on, go and order an orange juice. So he was going off to the bar, ordering ordering drinks for us both, and I could see like the like the waitresses and waiters looking over at me, smiling and yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was brilliant for him. I think it was. I was planning on taking my my middle nephew this October, but obviously the world's gone crazy. So yeah, yeah, the world's gone crazy. Man United are losing to um to really bad football teams, aren't they? Or are you a blue? Oh no, I'm a I'm a red. You're a red. Okay, I won't bring that up. I'm a West Ham fan, so. So I, I feel your pain when your team's losing. <laughs> I feel your pain. <laughs> Stu, um, yeah, I mean, he's, um, Spain is he's, he's very much a culture where um, it's not unusual for to, to hug a kid. Um, it's not unusual um, for them to just come up and talk to your kids or, or, vi- or a kid to come up and talk to an adult. Our culture is a bit different like, like that in England. It's not It's not something that's... Uh, seen as always a positive thing, whereas in Spain it's different like that. So any parents that are listening, you know, they, these are the kind of things you might um, expect to see. Um, and as you said, Stewie, he had a good time. The, the locals loved him. The pilgrims took to him. So from by all accounts, taking a kid is, is a good idea. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Do it in, obviously don't do it in summertime. Yeah. It's going to be too hot. It's too crowded. Mm. Do it later on. Like, in, in England or in, in Britain, you've got the October half term when I went. Yeah. Or even before that, April time, I think there's a school holiday. They, they would be perfect times. It's not too hot and uh, it's not too busy as well. So the kid, the kids yeah. can enjoy it more as well then. Let's go from your hardest moment earlier on to your highest moment. What was, I mean, I can remember one of my highs on the Camino um, something that stands out for me and that'll always be the day that I walked into Santiago um, for the first time that will always be a moment that I'll just look back on and it would always make me smile and beam what is the moment on your Camino the highest most special moment that stands out Oof, that's a difficult one for as many, as many highs as you get on the Camino there's mm. just as many lows and yeah um so many. Santiago obviously is a very high one. Um, there was one once. I was in a small town. What's it called? El El Ranero, El Burgo Ranero. Yeah. 
and the uh, the albergue there. It's only a tiny little stone building. And um, I was walking with a a lad from South Korea and a lad from Germany, a lad from Brazil at the time. Well, most of the time I did the Caminos with them, but um, and and it was the lad from South Korea's birthday. So we were having a, a little birthday party for him. There was only the four of us in the albergue. And he got so drunk. If, if Every night he'd religiously write in his diary. And this night, even though he was drunk, couldn't speak, couldn't see properly, he was still writing in his diary. And he fell asleep in front of the log burner. But it'd been raining that day, so he rested his shoes against the log burner. And me and the other two guys had gone to bed. I said, I said to Flo and Kanya, I can, I could never pronounce his name. I said, can you smell something burning? Like, no, no. Five minutes later, went, can you smell it now? And the, all three of us jumped up and run downstairs. And I called him Danny Boy, the guy from Korea. Uh, his 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 name Sang Young, but his um, Christian name Daniel. So I called him Danny Boy the whole time, and that. Uh, Danny Boy fell asleep in front of the fire and his shoes were on fire. We were laughing our heads off the day after. He was oh, so hungover and it was a good birthday for him. For him. What did he walk in after that? He had to walk in those shoes, but the back of them were burnt a bit. <laughs> but when you had that, then let's say Santiago was a high, getting to Osobrero. Osobrero look completely different to how most people would see it. It was covered in snow uh, around the area. It was coming up above your knees, the snow. Um, th that was a high there. It was a lo lovely place, kind of like an alpine feel to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, There's so many highs, so, so many highs. I There's not really one that jumps out at me. Hmm. I can't. But well, that, there's, that, there's obviously part. a funny memory you've got there of your, your, your oh, Danny Boy's shoes uh, being burnt there. So um, we'll, we'll move on to the next one, and hopefully <laughs> he's uh, he wasn't walking in pain after that. Um, well, no, it's fine. Stu, you've got to give one piece of advice for caring for your feet. One piece of advice only. What would it be? Tiger balm. Use tiger balm. Right. Especially, I was walking in the, like I say, walking in the winter, so it was. It was minus degrees most days. Yeah. Every morning before I put my socks on, I'd massage Tiger Balm into my feet and then crack on. And what, 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 does tiger, what does Tiger Balm do for you exactly, for you personally? Oh, it, it, it heats your feet. Have you ever used it? Uh, I've, I remember using it a little while, quite a while ago, but I haven't used it in recent times. So it, it's like a warm, warm feeling on your feet. You put your socks on and they already feel toasty. So before right. you get out the albergue into minus two, minus three, you, you've got a bit of toastiness on your toes. I like it. And what is Tiger Balm like? It like for example, is it like some kind of uh, deep heat or? It's kind of. It's like a herbal deep heat. I think. So it's homeopathic on it. It's natural. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it is natural. Right. Okay. So, so that... somebody give me a tub in Pamplona because I had sore feet. Right. And yeah. from that day on, I did it every day. Tiger balm on your feet, and it also acts as a lubricant as well, doesn't it? Like like moisturizes yep. your feet as well. So, um, all right, tiger balm. I, I remember like my um, my mum always used to use it, and uh, I remember it's it's got quite a distinctive smell, hasn't it? Oh, it's got a it's got a right pong. 
Well, it's, it's not that bad. For those of you listening in America, that means stink or smell. <laughs> On Australia, maybe use that word as well. But I love that uh, that Mancunian colloquialism there. He's got a right pong. Um, um, okay, so Tiger Balm would be the best of your advice your feet. And talking of advice, what's the best advice you read or heard when you were preparing for your Camino or on your Camino? The one best piece of advice. Like I said before, before I started, I hadn't read or seen anything. Yeah. Well, when I was walking, the tiger bomb tip. Um, I I'm shocking with names, but there was one pilgrim right at the start. Just said, "Take your time. It's not. It's not a race. Mm. Go at your own pace." And just enjoy it. It's not every day you can walk 500 miles across the country, so take everything in. Stu, what surprised you most about yourself in the Camino? How stubborn I can be when when it got hard. Elaborate. I, I uh, like, like the first day when I thought, I don't want to be the idiot that dies on a mountain with a laptop. Right. So I just, I don't know, you... It's more about Once you start, just don't stop. You just got to carry on. It's, yeah. it's the only thing you can do. That's more about your resilience, isn't it, rather than stubbornness? It's stubbornness. It's resilience. I think it's, grit. It's grit. It's all things mixed up into one. Yeah. You just—I don't know. It's until you actually do the Camino, you don't understand what you can do. Hmm. Hmm. Um, people don't understand. A lot of people don't understand what your body can actually do. No, it's a really valid point, and um, I'm sure loads of uh, pilgrims would agree with you, those that have done it. Um, give an example. for I mean, obviously, you got through that tough day, your hardest day on the first day in the mountains in the Pyrenees. Any other examples you can give of, of, of your resilience and grit and stubbornness or any other way that you surprised yourself or you, you showed yourself you, you could do more than you previously thought? There was one day I, I went back this year to do the same section. Yeah. Um, where I was, I, I really thought, why the hell am I doing this? <laughs> it was just an idea I had before I came travelling. Yeah. Why the hell am I doing it? Between, I think, it, oh, I can't remember. Not Lagronio. There's a town after Lagronio where you stay. What's it called? Puente nah. Lorena. Puente La Reina, uh, I think, is before Logroño, if I'm not mistaken, but... No, no, uh, maybe, I don't know. It, the town after Logroño, anyway. Najera, is it Najera? Najera. Or... Right. Sorry, Najera. Uh, Najera to the next place, which has got about six words in its name. I, I can never remember. Santo Domingo de la Casada. Ah, OK, sorry, yeah. Um. So, so from there to there, that was the hardest day for me. Uh uh, the rain was coming in sideways into my face. It was freezing cold. I'd not seen another pilgrim all day. Thought, why the hell am I doing this? Let's just go home. <laughs> but I got I got to Santo Domingo and um, got to the albergue, chatting to people from who knows where now. There was a couple of Americans I remember. Few, few from South Korea, and then you just feel, yeah, this is why I'm doing it. It's brilliant. So yeah, that was definitely a low point. 
So in in many ways, you surprise yourself about kind of just on. Just yeah, yeah your ability really to far. just kind of soldier on. Yeah, just put your head down and keep going. Yeah, love it. Um, something you do differently. Were you to go back to the Camino sometime, any day, sooner or later? Um, not overpack. Okay. <laughs> That's it. That's right. it. Take and, a, take what you need. That's it. And my next question would be: On the Camino previously, we we've asked about cities, towns, and villages that were favourites. But now I'm going to ask more about some towns, yeah. cities, or villages that were a lot nicer than you imagined. Um, it's perhaps a hidden gem, um, somewhere that surprised you, somewhere that you'd think, hmm, I didn't know this was so nice or amazing. Um, one, one I mentioned before, Sobrero, like I yeah. say, when I got up there, it was like an alpine village and it's hard to, hard to describe. You couldn't see very far in front of you because it was snowing that hard. Um, that was a brilliant, brilliant day night in Osobrero. But also, I fell in love with all the little villages you walk through, every single one of them. But I could easily just stop the Camino and stay in this village forever now. So, I say, I just try to take as much in as possible. The little small villages, when, uh, when you were approaching, you could smell people's log burners and... Yeah. Oh... I'd do anything to go back to that time. I think that's, um, you know, one of the most charming things about the Camino as well is that when you do go through those little villages and you see things that, I don't know, we, we wouldn't, you and I wouldn't normally see in the UK no. in a UK street or, you know, UK residential area, you're walking through, you know, the heart of Spain and you are seeing into people's lives you're seeing stuff you'd never seen before. Um, like, I don't know, in those little towns, you'll you'll see like what looks like a shop and you actually go in there and it's like an old man's kind of just side room and he's made a little shop out of it and made a little counter and stuff and he's just selling. It's like his own little tuck shop, isn't it? And It's funny you mention shops and stuff. You think our shops are art shops. There was, where was this one? The town before Castro Herit. Yeah. Or the stop before Castro Herit. We're in the a little village. And it had it had one bar restaurant where you went it was over the road from the church. For anyone that's been there, you'll know where I mean. You have the church, the albergues next to the church, connected to the church kind of, and the restaurants over the road. But then I was walking around thinking, I just wanna chill out and have a glass of wine or a beer. And there was no bars. For every every single village I've been to in Spain has had a bar. They all they all have churches and bars. That's it. And I was walking round and I thought, <laughs> what are those guys doing there? They're just this house. And I walked over, walked in, and it's <laughs> it was like somebody's homemade bar. But they welcomed me in. They had yeah. a few drinks in there, and then went to sleep in the albergue. It was brilliant. Yeah, and it's just so random these places you come across, isn't it? Oh, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it was a bar. It's funny because you mentioned that that place, um, Castro Herith, and I remember that specifically because um, I I was walking along 
um, probably between the, the town before Castro Heath. I can't remember where it was for the life of me. Where did I stop? I can't remember um, off the top of my head. But anyway, I'd lost my camera somewhere on the way to Castro Heath. Um, and now I don't, I don't carry. I, I have my phone, but I, I, I do my Camino a bit differently. I have my, often have my phone switch, switched off. Uh-huh. So I have like you know just an old old style digital camera just because I like to go back to you know try and go back and do things like the old way. Anyway, yeah. um, lost it. So I was talking to someone at this uh, church just near Castro Heath where they called me in for a free coffee. You know, went in for a coffee, dropped to you, cut the quid as you do in the um, in the donation box. And the guy said to me, "Look, if if I speak to someone that that finds a camera." I'll message you. So I gave him my number, you know, not expecting anyone to find my camera. As far as I was concerned, I lost it, all my photos. It was a bit, it was a bit um, disheartening. But anyway, um, I gave him my number. Anyway, when I got to the next place I was going to, I, on the just on the off chance that he might have sent me a message, I turned my phone on. Well, can you believe it? He sent me a message. Someone had found my camera. Brilliant. And he gave it to a cyclist who dropped it at the next place for me, which I think was Terra Dios. And um, I magically got my camera returned to me. And that, my friends, is the Camino magic at work right there. Oh, 100%. Isn't it? Definitely. So, I think Castro Herif must be a magic place yeah. before that. Castle on the hill, isn't it? Oh, it's a, it's a great place. The day walk into that, there was me... The German guy called Flo and Carlos, the Spanish guy. Yeah. I think it was about minus six when we left um, that old town that I can't remember the name of. As we were walking, it was snowing, freezing, ended up being slushy and horrible. And the three of us were freezing cold. I mean, my hands were turning purple. We got to Castro Herif, but it's split into two parts, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We were thinking, oh yeah, we're here. We get in the albergue and warm off. There's not, there's nothing in the first part. Not in winter anyway. It was dead. Uh, I'm curious. Well, you walked, um, you walked the Camino. Um, obviously, it sounds like you did it during the, while it was while it was hot with your nephew. What time of the year was it with your nephew? Uh, October, so it was only one day that was really hot. The okay, um, the... your first Camino, yeah. when did you walk it? I started on the 3rd or the 2nd of February. So you'd have always done it in the winter or during cold times, pretty much? Pretty much. The one I started in February, was I had everything. I got sunburnt one day. I was turning purple and blue one day. Uh, it was everything rolled into one, that Camino. So anyone that's going to do a Camino kind of during the colder months of the year, anything you'd say to, to recommend? Any tips, any help? Um, packing list or? Yeah, your packing list, obviously, wear layers. You don't, every, anyone that goes walking knows wear layers. You know, you could take them off if you're too warm, get your waterproof. I prefer the poncho rather than... Like waterproof coat, waterproof pants, or I just had um well waterproof trousers, not pants. Um, I had a big poncho that covered everything, but everyone has their own taste. 
Yeah, I, I couldn't be bothered taking the bag off to put the waterproofing on the bag and then so put that layers. Back on. Layers is the important thing, right? Definitely layers, and definitely wear long johns. <laughs> so layers would be something like a vest. You start with a vest, then a maybe you got a t-shirt, then maybe you got a long sleeve t-shirt, and then maybe you got a hoodie, and then maybe you got a jacket. And as it gets warmer or colder, you put the layers on or peel them off, depending on exactly. how the temperature is going. Good exactly. stuff. Really, really good tip there. I like it. And and I've walked winter caminos, and I found that really helpful as well. And your thermal summer camino. I've done a summer Camino and I've done winter Caminos as well. Yeah. And what do you prefer, summer or winter? I prefer winter, if I'm being honest. Uh, I think I would. Mm, I prefer winter because even Spanish winter is like British summer. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I'm exaggerating a bit there. I'm exaggerating, a bit. but um, you know, I, I I think that in the the, the, in general, Spanish mornings are cold, whether it's summer or whether it's whether it's uh, winter. Um, the fresh cold, though, rather than a damp, horrible cold that we have here in the yeah, north. Yeah, yeah, it's fresh cold. It's crispy, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah. It wakes you up. It, yeah, it's it's all right. It, you know, it's kind of pleasurable in a way. Um, you yeah. know, you get that love. You know, that fresh blue sky, and by the time it gets to kind of. 10 11 o'clock you can start peeling off those layers uh-huh. whereas in the summer i mean yeah you've got those those layers on until about nine o'clock and then you start getting hot and then you're peeling them off and then you have to get to where in the summertime you have to get to where you're going by midday or it or you're just gonna fry you know yeah, just you can't crazy. be walking after midday or one o'clock it's just madness i did that one day and come a cropper um, I ended up very, very ill one day when I did that. And um, whereas in the winter, with the sun, it's actually quite pleasurable in the afternoon. So yep. you know, it's where you get the nice, the best temperatures actually in the sun in the winter. So um, I, I personally think a winter camino is more pleasurable, and there's a lot less people as well. A lot less people. I've um, heard the summertime ones are crazy. Crazy busy. I really enjoyed the fact that my, my Camino in the summer was really busy. Like you, I met so many great people and and it was, yeah, it was a merry band of international pilgrims, just constant, you know, and yeah. I really enjoyed that part. But when I went in the winter, I, I missed that interaction with all the fellow pilgrims and stuff. But I did enjoy having the road to myself or just me and my wife um, yeah. to ourselves. And, yeah, that was the major difference. So... Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to unpick there and depending on what anyone wants in their Camino. But I think summarising it, if you want a quiet Camino where, where the temperatures are a bit kinder, then winter actually can be quite pleasurable. Um, unless, of course, you are up in, in Osobrero or the mountains of Leon when it can get actually quite snowy and like you said. But um, down on the flats, um, it can be okay. So not that bad. Um Stu, we, 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 I want you to tell me your favourite Alberg quickly. Alberg Hotel, what's your favourite of all the ones you've been to? Tell me the name of the Alberg if you can and the town, city or villages it's in. Um, for memories, probably Alberg or Raniero, the one I mentioned before. Right. It was, it was a nice little Alberg, only the four of us. And um, we had the log burner go in, a few bottles of Rioja. And it was just a nice experience that we were just talking and having fun. I'd, I'd say that one. Do you know the name of the albergue? There was like the the the. Basic... I think it was just the. Uh, oh, what's the? The municipal what's the... one. 
Municipal Alberga, yeah. Braxton and Municipal. I think it's the only one in the in the town, or there was another one that was closed. Right. Okay. So the Municipal Alberga in El Burgo de Raniero. Okay. Um, El Burgo is E L B U R G O D. Uh, D-E, Raniero, that's R-A-N-E-R-O, and that's got the little moustache symbol that goes over the N. I don't know <laughs> the name of that symbol, to be honest with you. I should the look it up. Yeah, the N, the N, um, the, like the onion sound, isn't it? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, El Burgo de Raniero. If you want to f- listen to that again, just press rewind on the, on your podcast app and you can hear that again. So, um, Stu... Want to get to the lap of honor round, which is coming up very, very, very soon. Like the lap of honor when you go to um, Finister or Burgos uh, or Musia, should I say? Quickly, a favorite bar or restaurant on the whole Camino? Yeah, oh, bar or restaurant. You can hear you flicking through your notes there. I know I wrote a few down. You know what? Rance is biased. That's the only one, isn't it, if I remember rightly? Yeah, it's the only one. You've got no choice. Go in there. Nice, nice calm. Nice, long, hard day to run. Well, not that long, actually. Just hard day. Chill out in there. That one. There's a lot more. There's a million and one restaurants and bars, but I'd say that one is the one that sticks out. It's very rustic, isn't it, that one? Very Very. rustic. Like you say, there's nothing there. Just a big monastery and then this restaurant. Yeah. Okay, so the the restaurant in Roncesvalles, I mean, most people end up trying that anyway if they're in town. Stu, um, what's the weirdest thing you saw someone carrying on the Camino? Uh, Not carrying. I saw a couple of people in bare feet. Did you? Which in hotter months I could understand, but when it's freezing, I just thought you're a bit of an oddball, aren't you? But fair play. Did you yeah. speak to them about it? Yeah, one of them just said it was just the way they wanted to do it. They wanted the earth on the feet. They're very spiritual people, so well, all right, fair play to you. I wouldn't do it, but there's many good people luck. that believe ley lines kind of run along, yeah. run through the ground underneath your feet on the way to Santiago. And they are supercharged by the Milky Way that also runs above the Camino. So it's this supercharged spiritual energy that many people believe. Um, and to be honest with you, though we can never prove it, the way doing the Camino makes you feel, I, I certainly believe it's true. Oh, same. I don't know uh, what your opinions on that or if you you felt some special energy from the Camino. But by the sounds of it, you did because you went back again and again. So no, I'd, I'd go back. If if I won the lottery, I'd just walk it for the rest of my life. <laughs> I love it, too. I mean, me and the missus, we're back in England right now. Um, and But we are considering uh, a path back to Spain sometime soonish. Um, when all this kind of blows over and uh, we are kind of considering thinking about maybe buying an alberg somewhere along the way or setting up our own yeah yeah we are yeah we are like really really considering it because um we we loved it we love it and like yourself we've you know gone back again and again and um being back in england is is nice i really enjoying being home again people are friendly i'm enjoying how polite we all are <laughs> you know, um, I like the fact that people say please and thanks, and but 
I don't know. There's something about the lifestyle. He hasn't stopped raining for the last two weeks, and that's not for me. Oh, it's been horrible. It, you're only around the corner from me, aren't you? In Manchester. Yep. Um, it's horrible. And I'm in Bolton, so you are literally just at the other end of the train line from me. Um, yep. And I've never experienced rain like this, mate. This is this has been raining for two weeks nonstop. Well, it's been shocking the last couple. Is that of normal? Weeks. Is that normal up here or? Yeah. It's, uh... <laughs> I wish you were going to say no to that, but oh, oh, yeah, it's I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. It's, oh, okay, mate. It's, it's shocking. Oh, well, I'll just, I'll deal with it. I've got myself some serious waterproofs. I've not scared <laughs> the neighbours walking around in my Camino poncho yet, but maybe that's, <laughs> that's the next thing I'm going to pull out, pull out the, uh, pull out my sleeve. Um, Stu, yep. let's ask you, so you saw some people in bare feet and, um, I want to ask you about some um, last quick fire questions. So this is the lap of honor, okay? Uh Um, So for those who don't know, when you get to Santiago, you can walk to Finisterre another three or four days, which takes you to the end of the the end of the world, Finisterre, which means end of land in Latin or end of terrain, Um, and that is where they go, um, where pilgrims supposedly went in medieval times to the end of the world so you've got that choice you can walk to Musia as well so that's like the lap of honor the pilgrims have so our lap of honor round is going to be these questions Stu your favorite Camino blog book vlog and or film I've never really listened to many it's only recently and I saw, saw yours so I'll have to say yours well thanks for listening and thanks for getting in touch saying you, you do an interview um, social media personality or account worth following again I don't know any. Just just yourself. Just go walking. Good stuff. Um, yeah. Thanks again. Favourite food on the Camino? Favourite food? I can't remember the name of it. It's like a garlicky soup. Right. Um, that. I loved it. It was nice, warm, give you a bit of energy. Sent, sent you off to bed in an alberga. Nice. Garlic soup. I'm going to look down. I'm not, I don't know. I, like, I can't remember if it was garlic and egg or garlic and chicken, something like that. Right, okay. Um, in a few places, though. I think I know the answer to this one already. Favourite drink on the Camino? Pacharan. What's that? Oh, it, it, Pilgrim petrol. <laughs> I had it in Castro Jerez when we finally got the... How'd you spell that? Do you know? Uh, P-A-C-H-A-R-A-N. Right, okay. Or TX, it depends where you get it. Right, so say the word of it, say it again. Pacharan. Never heard of that in my life, Pacharan. Right. Not look. many people have, and I get funny looks when I'm in Spain and I ask for it too. Right, that shows you uh, you like the tough stuff. Uh, it's, it's not that strong or anything, but it warms you up. <laughs> One and thing I... you wished you'd packed on any of your Caminos. It's more not packed. <laughs> okay. I was, I was overpacked. <laughs> so one thing you didn't need and wouldn't take again? Laptop. Laptop. Leave it at home. you just got a pen and a, and a journal. That'll do you. Yeah. Um, quote or mantra for tough times on the road? Just keep going. You can do it. Uh, we used to say it to each other when we were walking. Like, you can do it. You've got just more inside on. you than you believe, than you ever believed, right? Oh, the human body is very difficult to kill. You can do a lot more than what your mind thinks it can. I love that, Stu. I'm going to bring your head down and just keep walking. Love it. Um, Guilty pleasure you carried with you? (laughs) A few. My phone, my tablet, my laptop. Right. So Uh, you're not going to A comfy pair of trainers that I didn't really need. 
Okay, so you didn't need a comfy pair of trainers. You could have done with flip-flops or something like that. I had flip-flop trainers and my walking shoes. Right, so you could have just had the boots and the flip-flops, okay? Yeah. A Spanish product or shop that came in useful? Yeah, just the local local, um, local shops when you got to the little villages. Pop right. in, get yourself a little chocolate bar or biscuits or something. So, yeah, those little shops that are... Uh, like the like the bar you found before, yeah. How do you say it? Tiendas. Las tiendas, yeah. Las That's tiendas it. also means tent as well. So, um, yeah. yeah, you might end up going into a shop and walking into a tent. But anyway, um, uh, Camino app, internet or, or internet internet resource. The forum that I found to post right. post my uh, first backpack. Okay, and the name of it, I'll send it is all. It's the cafe, it's Camino de Santiago dot me. I think that's the, uh, the Casa Ivar forum. Casa uh, Ivar, that's it. That's yeah. it, yeah. Okay, and the biggest, most important lesson you took from the Camino? Um, nothing's ever as hard as you think it is. You, know, you can walk 500 miles and survive on the bare minimum. So the message I'm getting, that the theme of your podcast, of your interview, is you can do it. Oh, 100%. Just keep going. Don't give up. I like In it. In life, just keep going. Um, you know, on that, I, I believe that's going to tie nicely into our last, uh, our last question and also something I've stumbled across recently. And I've, I mean, I've heard of this guy called Wim Hof. You've heard of him, haven't you? Yeah, I've... But, do I, I do cold showers every morning. Yeah, well, I've just started doing it for the last, like, proper cold showers for the last five days. And I've just started doing his breathing exercises. And this is a man that's walked in the Arctic Circle in a pair of shorts and <laughs> and no shoes on, like the people you met. He's Crazy walked man. up Mount Everest. And the funny thing he said that really made me laugh, he said, uh, I saw some people walking up Mount Everest wearing clothes. That's not That's not a challenge. <laughs> this uh, guy is hilarious. He's a funny man. He's a funny guy. He's not even trying to be funny. And I've no. done the Wim Hof breathing method for the last five days. And I've done the cold showers for the last five days. Like real cold showers. Before I'd always get about 30 seconds to a minute, but that was in Tenerife, um, <laughs> yeah. where I was living before. So it was always warm. But I've been doing it here in England and having That's five right. minute cold showers. And I feel so much better like i feel so much better oh so, it's, it's great and i didn't think i could get into a cold shower for five minutes but i've managed to do it i didn't think i could hold my breath for three minutes with vim hoff's method but i've done it so you done it yeah I'm yeah not, I'm, three I'm, minutes I'm not, and 13 I'm, seconds I'm, I'm, i did it the other day um so yeah. um you know the on your theme of the podcast is you can do it and i'm not saying this because i'm trying to show off it's no big deal to say i can hold my breath but i'm just saying that it's an example of you saying of what we can do. So you never believed you couldn't do some of the things you did. You didn't believe you were a spiritual person. So tell me about how this has had a, a spiritual influence in your life. Um, I've become a lot more... I always liked animals before then. Right. Since the Camino, I don't know, I've become a lot more passionate about animals um there's two instances on the way i was lost one day and just looked up and saw some bird like a bird flying one bird you get a lot of birds of prey don't you in certain areas mm. 
And I saw one. I thought, oh, I'll follow, I'll follow that. I'll go that way. And it was the right way. And then a few days along the way, I saw a bird, a bird again. I thought, all right, are you following me? And uh, that, obviously, <laughs> I don't think it was the same bird, but you never know. And then there was one time, uh, I'd have to ask my friend where this was, but I can't remember. But me and him took the wrong path. And we were walking for about three kilometres along this wrong path and then got to a dead end near a farm. And this big, and I mean big dog, came running towards us, barking its head off. <clears throat> got to in front of us, stopped, and it was like our best friend. It, wa- it walked back the way we'd come from, like, as if to say, come on, follow me. So we followed him, and he walked for a good 10, 12 kilometres with us wow. along the right path. He took us along the right path then. And I thought, all right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you home, but then some local dogs scared him off. Right. Like that, I thought, wow. I thought you were gonna, I thought you were gonna eat us at first, but you ended up showing us the right way. So stuff like that. I thought, did he know we were lost? Love it, Stu. I mean, you didn't strike me as the kind of person when we first started chatting, and please don't be offended by that. No, no, no. Um, as someone who would end up following birds and and striking up a, a friendship relationship rapport with a with a stray dog, um, no, I, I wouldn't have thought it myself. So, why do you think the Camino opened that part of you up? Well, maybe it was something that needed opening, right? And it just just happened to be on the Camino. Well, they say the Camino has angels and the Camino provides. I mean, your yep. story is a, is a perfect example of of that Camino's magic energy. Definitely. And they say you won't find that any energy anywhere else on the planet. I, you know, I haven't I haven't found that energy anywhere else on the planet. Um, you find it in pockets and and you find it in experiences and occasional meetings, but on the Camino, it's like. It's just like commonplace. It's the, the oh, it, it, it's constant. Yeah, it's the norm, not the exception. So I'm, I'm really grateful for you sharing that story and being so open as well. Because I guess yeah. if you went to a pub in Manchester and told people that, they'll probably laugh <laughs> in our faces. So I don't, I don't tell a lot of people about the birds. <laughs> what do you, what, what would, what would your mate say if you told him, if you told him that story? I've told a couple. They just, I don't know. I don't know whether they laugh it off or just. What they say? Right, yeah. Do they say yeah, yeah, okay, or they believe you, or? I, I, don't, I don't think I've told many people. Okay, Stu, I've got my next question. Is might be a secret I've left let out there. That you, you. <laughs> well, um, this is the moment where you share with the world that you follow animals. That's fine by me. And who? Then why not? That is what I say. <laughs> why not? They're a lot more intuitive than we are. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, Stu. I'm going to wrap up the, the podcast now because I want to be respectful yep. of your time, but I just want to ask a couple more things. Yep. Um, you've, you did the Camino once. You never thought you were going to do the Camino. You did it on the strength of making a big change in your life and, you know, kind of looking for an adventure. That's fireworks in the background. Everyone oh, listening, we are having yep. this chat on fireworks night. My dog is sat in my, in a basket looking petrified next to me. Hey, mine's been shaking. My dog is, there goes a dog down couple of gardens down that he's barking as well. 
This is the funny thing about being back in England, all these cultural nuances and quirks I forgot about. Um, anyway, why did you go back again and again to do it? I don't know. It's kind of like I'd like to, I'd like to use a different, uh, a different way of describing it, but it's like a drug. You mm. want more and more, don't you? Yes. It's addictive. It's, it's a healthy addiction. Energy. Yeah. Um, there was one author, I think they called it God's Cocaine. I, I, I heard that on your on one of the other podcasts. Oh, Did, it, was, it was when you was chatting to the American lady. That's it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought, yeah, you can't. I'm, like I say I'm not a religious person, but yeah, God's Cocaine. Well, I wish I'd have come up with, with that analogy. I really do, because I don't think it could have been put any better. Um, no, it's a, it's a good one, that one. But yeah, yeah I mean, I'd say that. Just for that, just I, for the energy. Just in case my mum's listening, I've never done cocaine, mum. By the way, okay, but just you need uh, a mum. I, I imagine, uh, I imagine if I if I had, uh, um, it would be similar to to something that we just described. Also, lastly, Stu, um, yep. one of the big things about the Camino is the camaraderie, the energy, and a good sing along sometimes. <laughs> now you um, don't have to sing if you don't want to. But Even if I wanted to, I couldn't. It's. Uh, is there a song that gets you in the Camino mood or reminds you of the Camino? Reminds you of your Caminos? Yeah, one of the one of the pilgrims that I walked most of the way with. She was from Italy, and then every day I'd hear her singing this Italian song, and it just had a nice little rhythm. And it's that one, Poca de Rosa. It's called. Poca de Rosa. Uh huh. Cause how does it go? Oh, I can play it on Spotify for you if you like. <laughs> Poca de Rosa. I think if I sang it, you'd lose listeners. No, well, you told me you couldn't speak Spanish, but your Spanish pronunciations sound perfect. I try, but... For a Mancunian, i got to say. And I don't mean that to be condescending. Um, is this uh, it? Are you playing it now? I'll t- uh, I'm trying to find it. Poca right, de- okay. Oh. But yeah, that one. I just remember us walking along, singing it. It's funny, isn't it? The songs that, uh, the, you know, songs that you probably never would have heard before, and then they end up staying with you for the rest of your life. Yeah, it's quite an old song. I think it's hundred years old or something. There you go. It's just got a nice little. Uh, um, I think any song, many songs in Italian always sound so cheerful and jovial, don't they? Just because the accent's so, so oh, yeah. beautiful it's, and happy and melodious. It's, um, a, it's, a, it's a gorgeous accent. How does that, how does that compare to your favourite Manchester music? Oh, oh I've, got, I've got the weirdest taste in music ever, Bradley. Right. I could, I could go from Frank Sinatra to Native American music in one nice, in nice. one click. It, it's the weirdest taste. Um, I've I've discovered excess Manchester radio up here, and um, no, yeah, yeah, I think it's actually my favourite radio station I've ever come across in my entire life. Is that the indie one? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I do cool. like about I do like a bit of indie rock and roll. Um, yeah. Stu, what's what does your life look like now? You've you've quit. You've quit your. You did quit your job. What 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 have you gone back to since after the Camino? I work. I work in a in my brother's firm now. Right. Um, but it's a bit bit boring at the moment. But that's just life at the moment, isn't it? 
Well, Stu, if you've got employment in this day and age exactly. where lots of people have lost it, then you're doing all right. I spent the last few summers in Madrid. I do two, three months in Madrid each year. Doing? Uh, teaching English. Oh, nice, nice. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very lucky I've been able to do that. And I was going to go this year as well, but obviously nature took a turn for the worst. Yeah, I think it's a winter to reassess, recharge, reevaluate. Oh, and, de- definitely. And definitely. reinvent ourselves. That That's exactly what I'm thinking. Um, and thanks for your time. And obviously for when you go back to the Camino and for lockdown, actually, for, for life. Buen Camino, my friend. You too. Buen Camino. So really hope you enjoyed that episode with Stu Hagen. I think some of the main takeaways were, if you are thinking about taking kids on the Camino, that could be a good thing. They might enjoy it. Could make a really big impression on them, as it did Stu's nephew. So um, that may be um, another reason for you to go rather than not to go, because your kids will remember it forever and maybe it'll be the making of them. Um, Stu also impressed upon the importance of not taking too much. We know that's a continuing theme on the podcast, but I speak from my own experience as well, and that is get your backpack feeling comfortable. And like Ray Shell Smith said in episode 16, she said, carry the least amount of things you need to be comfortable. Okay, so wise words there from Ray Shell. Remember that. And talking of carrying things with us, Stu impressed upon us, again, the importance of layers. And that could be a year-round packing strategy that would be really, really effective. So just to remind you, when we say layers, from the bottom to the top, we could be talking zip-off hiking pants. So you zip them off around the knee when you get too hot. When you get cold, you zip them back up again. Um, In terms of what you're wearing on your upper body, you could be starting with a vest when you're really, really hot. Um, and then on top of that, a T-shirt, and then a long sleeve T-shirt, and then a hoodie, and then a windbreaker, and then maybe a warm jacket, and then maybe a poncho, and then maybe hats, gloves, and scarf. Carrying all that stuff with you, taking that approach, should serve you all year round, because as we've said before, on the Camino, at altitude especially, it can be very, very cold in the mornings, okay? So remember the importance of layers, Also, just a quick uh, hello to a few people that have been very, very communicative on Facebook and helped me out as I've been looking to polish up the questions, change the questions. And the special thank you to, of course, all those that helped me out. And I'm going to name names now as well. So a special, special, special thank you to, first of all, um, Erica Claro for her question in our Facebook group, Answers for Camino de Santiago Questions, and also to Dan Jarvis, Michelle Knapp, um, Deborah Bangston-Weeks, Kathleen Bertolda, and David Tallon, all of whom also responded to my, should I say, appeal for help with trying to come up with a new format, and also to Caitlin Coughlin-Trot, hello again, we're not said hello in a while, to Mary Hensley, to Marta Jacobson, Rick Prater. Hello, Rick. Nice to hear from you again. Joanne Allen Gale, Brian Horn, and Ripe Tan Juanpa. I probably said that wrong because I think that's a Thai, um, a Thailandese name or a Thai name. So 
Repay Rap. I'm sorry if I got your name wrong. I did my best, but it was uh, all I wanted to do was say hello and thank you. And like I said, if you do have a question, if you've got a question about the Camino, join our group, which is Answers to Camino de Santiago Questions. So the only thing we want in this group is questions. It's not going to be posting for any other stuff, but your questions so we can try and help you out. Talking of helping out. Okay, so if you've enjoyed the podcast, please share it with your Pilgrim friends, if you're a member of any Facebook group or if you are on Instagram, please share it. Um, if you're part of a Camino de Santiago forum, please share it on the forums because the more listens we get, the more people we can help out and the more people we can inspire to walk the Camino. Okay, so please like, um, subscribe, share, and even better if you review. Talking of reviews, um, I'd like to mention. Uh, a few reviews that have come in from my book, The Only Way is West. Um, it's currently sitting at 168 reviews on Amazon and it's got 4.6 out of 5. So it's doing pretty well. It's been a bestseller, like I've said, in um, in the USA, in Canada, in India, in Australia, in the UK, um, in some pretty competitive categories as well, in humorous essays, in travel writing, in ecotourism. Um, so yeah, that's to one of, uh, or a few of many categories is hit number one in. Um, and this review for my book was posted on the 8th of June, 2020. And it says it's by CC. So CC, whoever you are, wherever you are, thank you very much. The title of your review was The Real Spirit of the Camino. And it goes like this, the review. Having walked the Camino twice in my 60s, once by the coastal route and again by the normal one, as experienced by Brad in this book, I was thrilled to read at last a book which captures the true spirit of the Camino as experienced along the way. This is the book to read to discover what it is like to walk the way. Written in a direct and popular style, this is a personal, inspiring and delightful read. Many, many times I cried for joy that someone had at last exactly captured both the trials and tribulations as well as the joys and the little special moments along the way as well as the spirit and atmosphere of the experience all the way to Camp Finisterre and the feelings of depression after. For anyone interested in the Camino, this is a must read. I highly recommend it. CC, as I said, wherever you are, whoever you are, Thank you very, very much for that kind review. And just to entertain you before next week's podcast, I'm now going to leave you with an audio snippet from my book, The Only Way is West. If you'd like to get your hands on an ebook, it's on Amazon. Just search for The Only Way is West. The paperback is also for sale on Amazon. And if you prefer to get your book fixed by audio, you can look up The Only Way is West on audible.com and you'll find it on there and that's where you'll find this audio snippet so once again thanks so much for listening everybody until next week buen camino chapter 14 the lesser spotted pilgrim in the restful setting of my own room in the convent i fell asleep before sundown and woke way before sunrise at 5 a.m with still not a crack in the dawn the city streets were already alive with peregrinos. All the early risers shared the goal of getting to the next stop before midday to avoid the savaging sun. Spotting the yellow arrows among all the street signs, billboards and flyposters in the dark was tricky and I took a wrong turn more than once. Whenever someone saw me looking lost, 
I'd save face by digging out my camera and taking a picture as if on a planned excursion. Thankfully, with so many pilgrims around, I was able to scan the streets, spot someone going the right way, and chase them surreptitiously. Due, as always, forever west, I spent those first couple of hours looking over my shoulder determined not to miss the sunrise. As I broke out of the city limits and walked round a huge lake in a picturesque country park, the theatre of first light finally commenced. The spotlights gently brightened and dawn drew its jaundiced spears, charging the retreating darkness to unveil a backdrop of thick forest on surrounding hills. A submerging fish sent ripples pulsing across the lake's previously still waters, breaking the glassy surface and the silence. I was walking close to the water's edge, and the faint but repellent sulfuric scent of rotten eggs coming from the banks killed any grand ideas I had of taking a sunrise skinny dip. As the light grew ever paler, the birds stirring in the trees around the lake began to chirp and chatter. A fading fingernail of moon dug into the sky, the defeated night's last act of defiance. How privileged I was to have a private performance and the best seat in the house at Nature's Theatre. On my way out the park, I met Marcellino, a man with a big heart, a welcoming smile and an unruly white beard on its own pilgrimage to the wild side. Peregrino! he bellowed, with arms wide open. Set out in front of him on a picnic bench in an area reserved for caravans and campervans was an array of Camino paraphernalia. There were walking staffs, scallop shells, apples, bananas, biscuits, bottles of water and wine. I grabbed an apple and a banana and fished around in my pockets for some coins. No, he said with a stern hand. No money, please. Right here, he insisted, thrusting a notebook at me. Flipping it open, he displayed page after page of messages written by pilgrims from around the world. Travellers from Slovakia, South Korea, the Philippines, Brazil to name but a few, had written Marcellino words of thanks. I added Basildon to that list of exotic places and impulsively scrawled some lyrics from a song I'd recently written that I thought were fitting for a pilgrimage. Just a searcher like me. As I walk with a few good men, I wonder how to find more along the way. Do they stare at the stars and feel inner peace? Do they smile at a stranger and feel released? It's the searchers I seek, the wisdom that they speak, the lessons that they teach, just a searcher like me. When I passed his book back, he surprised me again by gifting me a bottle of wine and a walking staff. I tried in vain one more time to offer him money. Free! Always free, no money. I give only for peregrinos, he said, before proudly presenting a framed photo of himself in front of the cathedral in Santiago. I know, he said, tapping his finger on his temple. I am peregrino many times before and know the life. Five minutes after I'd left him behind, Marcellino chunted past me in a clapped-out car as I skirted a dual carriageway. With his long, dark, grey streaked hair flailing in the wind and a smile full of teeth desperate to win attention from his lively beard, he stuck his head out the window and blasted on the horn. After circling around about ahead, he came back past me again on the other side of the road. 
This time, he pumped the horn with a football style. Beep, 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 beep. And added a thumbs up and that unforgettable smile. Just as sincere and warm as when we first met. Marcellino was a guy I knew for five minutes, but his willingness to help people experiencing the same triumphs and tribulations he once tasted as a pilgrim meant I'd remember him forever. 